Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is the third installment in a conversation that Morgan Snyder and, and I are having around the topic of initiation, and in particular, initiating boys. So aware that the conversation actually applies to the, the formation of human beings. Yes. God is initiating his sons and daughters as a as an ongoing reality we are all being how does paul shape it until we reach full maturity right until we you know he said i'm in i'm in labor pains practically for you my dear church that he was discipling until christ is formed in you and so that the idea of a process and a progress of of growth and maturity is something that plays out in every person's life, but we're using the particulars right now of, of boys because boys don't just become men because they get older. <laughs> like, there isn't just some magic age at which now you're a man and you know, now, it, now it's happened. And oh my goodness, can so many men relate to that? I'm just feeling like there's so many young places yet in us. Yes. And that's, I know that there's a lot of shame around that. We'd love to remove some of that shame and just say, no, that's that's just the process. Right. Every human being is in the process of maturation and growing and developing, going back, getting things you didn't get, healing things, going forward. So it's in the spirit of grace and mercy that we wanted to pick up the conversation. And I thought I would just kind of remind us of a couple of things. We're, we're talking about a process that is both formal and informal. There's kind of two big categories of it. There comes a point in a boy's life where some very formal things ought to be done. He ought to be spoken to. He ought to be led. He ought to be initiated into the company of men. And we've been talking about some of that formal stuff in under the idea of like a vision quest or a year or several years of, of intentional process. But frankly... Much of what goes on in the initiation of boys, I would put under the category of the informal. Mm -hmm. The informal is taking place all the time. And so, you know, our first step here is just to let this be a mindset, right? I have boys in my world. They may be nephews. They, you know, they may be the little neighbor kid down the street. You know, it may be the kid that cuts my grass or my own son's. But my mindset now as an adult is, okay, this little guy is in a context of becoming a man. He's in a process of that over the years. How, how can I look for those opportunities? And the informal stuff shows up a lot. It shows up. I was just trying to think, I think Luke was about nine and he had tried a couple sports. You know, he had done the youth soccer thing, which is, you know, real popular among the very little ones. And it was okay, but it didn't click for him. And so he was looking for something else and he wanted to try lacrosse. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened, the serendipity of God, that I played lacrosse when I was a young man. And so I still had my stick and a couple of balls. And so I was able to find him. We went to, you know, one of those used sporting goods stores and picked up, because I'm not making a big investment in this yet. Right. This is just informal. <laughs> it's just to see. Yes. Let's see. And literally just being out in the yard, showing him how to toss and catch a ball yeah. with a lacrosse stick, right? And just it's just hours out there. It's nothing super intentional. Right. And it's, it's certainly not meant to be intense. It was just 
fathering. Right. It was just, oh, you'd like to explore this, son? I want to encourage you in this arena. I'll get involved and I'll hang out with you and we'll just we'll just chuck a ball around. And it might be a baseball, it might be a football, it might be a frisbee, you know, but something in the context of of those very, very simple, very, very informal things. I, I was thinking about we lived about four blocks from the neighborhood park when the boys were young and the and the boys loved playing at the park. And so we would ride we would ride our bikes down and and you know they had little kid bikes and but there was a dirt path that you could take. You could you could go on the asphalt, but if you chose a different route, there was a dirt path that kind of went along the public drainage ditch and to invite them onto that dirt path, I knew was a Ooh, this is a, you know, this is an adventure. This is a new thing. This is a challenge. And that simple thing, well, then the dirt path became the preferred path. And then it became, how can we turn that into more of an adventure? So it's the little jumps and it's the racing. And, you know, and then over time, mountain biking got into the picture. So then we upgraded to actual mountain bikes and took it up a notch. But these things can begin so simple and so informal. You're just kind of looking for the opportunities, right? John, what I appreciate just hearing that story, what what I hear you saying is it is a lens by which you see, right? right? So there is a perspective that you have. And I think maybe with the word informal, the other word I'd add to it is response, response Mm. to God's initiation, Mm -hmm. right? That God, you know, scripture says, and this is where I have to put so much of my hope is that the father is always at work. Mm. Like the father is very capable of initiating our sons Mm. and therefore he's inviting us to respond to him. Mm. So it's not just taking the kids out to play, but it's looking through the lens of God is initiating my son, he's inviting me to participate. And so that dirt trail becomes this adventure in initiation, but that we would have eyes to see. Bingo. And you're looking for the opportunities, right? Yep. You're looking for the things that pop up. Right. The things that present themselves, right? And, you know, we're talking about outdoor activities and physical things. And as we made the case, you know, that's where men learn for the most part, but it's when the speech comes up in speech class and they're terrified and it's, okay, we have an opportunity to address fear and and pray for courage and and then do what we can to help foster that goes well. Yes. That speech and, you know, public speaking is terrifying Mm. to most people, especially young students. And then if it doesn't go well, you're there to interpret. Yes. Right? The interpretation of failure is massive, right? In terms of whether or not it, it doesn't have to be a shaming or a damaging experience. Yes. Right? It can be a loving and kind of let's bounce back experience. So formal and informal I think what we wanted to do today is mostly just tell some stories. You know, I, I had offered in the first installment of this just the, the couple of categories. You, you've got the category of belovedness. You've got the category of love and delight. Like that, laying that bedrock foundation of you, you are deeply loved. Because as life goes on, the tests and the challenges do get harder. And the disappointments do get greater, and the assaults get greater. But Paul says if we're rooted and grounded in love, then those things feel very, very differently to the boy that feels abandoned, forsaken, 
I'm a failure, I'm an idiot, I'm a screw up, I can't handle life. And then when the assaults come and the setbacks come, then it's just devastating stuff, yes. right? So you're always looking for belovedness, yes. but you're also in the formation of a young man. You're, yes. also, you're also addressing the development of the coming man, mm -hmm. right? I would say, just to begin with some stories, so, you know, the dirt path story. So we began riding our, our bikes on dirt paths and, you know, it's such a simple thing, but golly, when you're five, six, seven, eight, it's a big deal, oh, man. It's, it's, it's joy and adventure and a little scary. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. And then we upgraded to mountain bikes and then... Morgan, you'll remember the first Moab trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have. Uh, uh, as, a, as a father, one of the things that I was aware of is that my sons needed more than me. Mm. And so there were a couple of young men in their lives. So I'm dad and I'm, you know, 40, 45, but inviting in Morgan and some other young men into their lives, we started. We started an annual mountain biking trip to the deserts of, of Moab, Utah, and Moab is a place that's just phenomenally beautiful and, and built for adventure, and we would camp, and we would, we would mountain bike, and we would rock climb. Mm -hmm. And as the years went on, those things progressed to higher and higher levels of adventure, but it started pretty simple, right? It started really basic. There's the famous Slick Rock Trail we didn't do the whole thing. We took the boys on the first- Right, the practice loop. It's literally that called- That was our whole ride, yeah, right? It was called the practice loop, yes. but, but it was a big deal yes. when, you're, when you're that small. And so I was just thinking about informal, playful, fun. Yes. To them, it's just all adventure. But I'm in my head as a dad, I know exactly what I'm doing. Absolutely. Right? In, inviting them into- that experience and and it ended up being kind of almost like a annual pilgrimage yes and it gives them this pin on the map of their soul mm -hmm. where they have a reference point you know i think of like the first puff of a cigar right it is this teenage young boy turning into a teenager and it's hey come share a cigar and what's so beautiful is when you have you know your first puff of a cigar in the fellowship of good men doing something that's really life-centered, it's not as attractive to go smoke cigarettes behind the high school, mm -hmm. you know, with, with some troublemakers. It's mm -hmm. like, it's just not as big of a story. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, it creates this context of these initiation moments that are set in a larger story. Yeah. I remember as you, as you share about Moab, Judd, I just smile at this great moment. It's probably the best moment I ever had with your son, Samuel, when he was younger where we were rock climbing and it was fun. And it was, you know, they're on belay and we're leading them. And then there was this moment, Sam was either 12 or 13, where I had never done a lead climb. And I felt like it was part of my initiation. And I asked Sam if he'd belay me. And I, at that moment, I'm literally putting my life in his hands, but he had practiced and he was ready. Yes. But both of us, there was this soul to soul moment of, we're both stepping together into something new, him belaying me and me doing my first lead climb. Yes. And it was a good, holy risk. And when I got off that wall, I hugged him and we both felt different. And it was only in the context of choosing formally to yes. go take an adventure. Yeah. And so gang, let me throw a quick qualification in. You're thinking we're not near Moab. We don't have anything like that in our lives. You know, we live in the LA basin or, you know, we live in Atlanta or Dallas and just go, do you realize that there is a climbing gym 
within two miles of you. Mm. I just guarantee it, listeners. They're they're huge these days. Climbing gyms are huge. And during Luke's high school years, when his two brothers were gone, he had some really lonely years there. He was the only one left in the house. Well, we joined the local climbing gym. And we would just go down and, you know, it was something I had to take some time off work to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to be involved. But he's belaying me. Yes, I'm belaying him back and forth. And you're in a climbing gym and you can pick the level of difficulty. You can start with real simple stuff and short stuff and, you know, quick footnote to the listener. This stuff is very available. Yes. Yeah, an example of that, John, just the accessibility. It's like those have eyes to see it. So I guess just backing up a bit, one of the things that helps me is there is this arc. Every story has an arc to it and a narrative. And what I keep in mind is I have a boy that I am being entrusted with his care for his initiation to manhood. So there's this story arc over his entire young life, you know, up until he's in his 20s. And there are these moments where they are going to happen. For example, he's going to have a cell phone, right? And instead of that just happening according to the world or happening, yeah, like for example, so Joshua got to a point where it was time. And and rather than this is a birthday gift, this is a Christmas gift, it was pulled out of those kind of worldly structures and said, this is part of your initiation. Hmm. And so I gave him one and we talked through it and it was an honor to say, son, you're ready for this, but understand here are the risks and here are the challenges. Let's do this together. And it was a big deal to him. And it wasn't just, now it's cool, I have a phone. Like it was more of this, this is an honor and this is a rite of passage. And wow. so I think what what's helpful and is- you, And you put some parameters around Oh, we that, did, yeah. Right? We, yep. I mean, you've got the little- Here's where you can use it. Box, right? Exactly. Everybody checks their cell phones at the family table. Oh yeah, right? We, right. we have a, a mudroom. You know, when you come in the house, you dump all the electronics, you surrender them, you know, and we have some pretty- stringent, but life-giving guidelines, you know, they don't go into bedrooms and we don't use them in vehicles. Vehicles are for conversation. There's no earbud policy at our house, you know, but the example of it is it's an everyday thing that gets set in the context of initiation. Mm -hmm. And I get to say, son, well done, Mm -hmm. well done in the expansion of your kingdom. Like your kingdom's expanding and you're doing well. And then when he has a setback, we get to talk through it. So it's not just these big out there masculine things. It's the the cell phone is an expansion of his kingdom. And when he was ready. Everyday stuff. Every day. When something breaks is such a great opportunity for initiation. The light switch in their room breaks, right? Now you have a context of, dad, don't just go fix it or don't just go hire someone to fix it. Get them involved and say, oh, let me show you how this works. When they pop their bicycle tire, well, far out. That is a perfect opportunity to say, okay, let's flip that bike over. Let me show you how to use a wrench to to take the wheel off. Let me show you how this works, right? Get them involved and use breaking stuff, their toys, your toys, whatever, things in the house, as an opportunity for initiation of the message being, you can handle this. Yes. Okay, but as you say that, something in me responds going, oh, crap, 
what if, you know, the truck breaks down and what if I don't know how to fix that thing, right? And the honest confession of I'm exposed in front of my son. Mm, I'm supposed mm. to be a man mm, mm. and yet I don't know what to do, but I feel this pressure mm -hmm. to initiate him. Mm -hmm. And so as you're saying that, I think it reminds me, it's actually strong. It's a position of strength to turn to my son and say, I don't know. I don't know. Right. We are being fathered and initiated together. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I, I remember mm -hmm. that feeling of growing up in an environment where mm. it was child-centered, right? Mm. And your parents exist for you. And that feels good when you're young, but then you mature and go, that's pressure. I need a larger context. And so to shepherd them through, we're both being initiated. We both have a father and modeling, son, let's go do that together. Let's take a survival class, yes. right? I took a survival class with Joshua because as you remember, we got lost in the woods uh, on a hunt and I got scared yeah. because I didn't know what to do. And so I took a survival class and then I brought my son in and said, let's figure this out together. Yeah. And it's fire, shelter, hydration. You know, it's the simple basics where we're equipped mm. together yeah. and that's okay. That's yes. actually strength. Yeah, that's really good, Morgan. Modeling before him, son, I don't know how to fix this. Mm -hmm but let's see if we can figure it out together. And if you have to call AAA or, or the token, that's okay. Right. That's all right. There's not shame in that. It's, it, you know, this isn't father perfection. Yes, okay? it's good, But I'm just, I'm just thinking about the informal. You, you've got a mindset now and you're looking for those informal opportunities to initiate your son. And, and it starts so simple, you know, the playing the catch, the, the riding bikes and Legos. Legos are killer, gang, because they are learning to build. They're learning to figure out. And you you get some of those more complex ones, the Lego Star Wars yes, series and yes. stuff. And you open the directions and you're like, there are 5,000 pieces to this. This is a commitment, you know, but showing them we can do this and letting them build stuff. Yes. Huge. And John, as you say Legos, it's funny. It's just triggering all these memories like... I would work so hard to get a deal on a set of Legos. They're expensive when you want a set. And I remember my son would build them really quickly and then he was done yes. and he didn't want to build them again. I'm thinking yeah. we just spent $48 yeah. on that battleship yeah. and like you're done with it. And it just reminded me like, it can't be about efficiency. It can't be. There are mm. things in me that need to surrender to say mm. that $48 was worth every bit mm. and 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 just to mm. be mindful those moments require me putting my energy in believing this matters yep. this is good yep. investment yep. albeit the, inefficient and the celebration of you did it yes you did it because one of the things we're building is we're building the confidence in competency Right, So you want to teach them how to fix their bike. You want to teach them how to build Legos. You want them to succeed in these things. Yes. And I'm thinking about all oh, the early stuff of letting them sit on your lap and steer the car. Right, So you go to the Walmart parking lot, 10 p.m., or you go to the supermarket parking lot on a night where it's pretty open, or you look for some space, you can go do that. And the little guy yes. who gets to sit on your lap and steer the car yes. or the tractor or the ride-on lawnmower or yes. whatever, oh my gosh, because they feel powerful, yes. right? And you want to build 
that sense in them of I'm powerful. Yes. And I remember, John, one of the things you modeled that was, it's kind of stating the obvious, and yet it's not the predominant culture because the enemy so wants to shut this down, is giving feedback with words of communicating what's happening. In other words, when you say confidence in competency, you modeled with your sons in front of me, putting words to what you see. So throwing the keys to Sam, when he's 15, on a dirt road, when we're on an adventure. And it was a good risk, right? It's a safe zone, but he drove. And then that night at the campfire, hey, son, well done driving us. You you had our life in your hands and Hmm. you did a great job. And so not only the experience, but I'm so aware as a dad, there are things in me that I see, but it's a discipline to say them to put them out loud because the enemy's constantly accusing and diminishing and stealing. That's good. Interpretation and words, affirmation. I would add as another informal category, I hope you're letting them win, Mm. right? You're playing ping pong. I, I sure hope you don't crush them every time because of your issues. Like you let them win. And I didn't, I didn't realize this until, you know, I, I made a few mistakes in it, but all that, all that wrestling that boys want to do, I hope you let them pin you, Dad. I hope that they get to feel strong and yes. powerful, right? And whatever it is, if you're, you know, if you're down at the batting cages or if you're shooting some hoops out at the park, like you're playing horse, yes, right? I hope you let them win. And and as that matures, we're talking about process, boy to adolescent. Another piece where that goes deeper. And John, again, I I think of these stories, these beautiful moments where um, you said to me in a moment of pain in fathering, my children are not responsible for my happiness. Mm. And so it begins with let them win, but it even goes to our kids will break our heart and it'll expose how much we are still pinning our validation on them. They have our report card. Mm. And so disentangling that thing of it's okay for them to fail. Mm. And as the stakes increase to know what better place to fail and learn than under our roof, yes, because they will be gone and it will get bigger, but oh, let it let as much happen here as possible. Oh, that's so good. Um, another category in informal is do projects together, right? And it starts with the forts we were talking yes. about in the earlier episode about the blanket forts yes. that you get to build with the sofa cushions and that kind of thing and letting them do it and you joining them in it to, you know, the more difficult Lego sets and, you know, whatever the whatever the particular thing the boy is into, on up into when our sons, you know, became 15, you know, the culture in the world today is just madness of, you know, kids get a car at 16. And I'm like, what? That was not my world. You drove the family car. You didn't get a car. You had you had to endure the shame of showing up <laughs> in the family van, right? Oh. And, and, and like, good. you earn it. You earn it. And so the culture in our family was, um, you don't get a car at 16. No way. At seventeen, you're gonna get you're gonna get a used car, but 
but we're going to, it's a fixer upper and we're going to do it together. Now, guys, I got to say really quick, I'm not a mechanic and I wasn't raised in a mechanic home. My father was not a mechanic, you know, so it wasn't like cars weren't a part of my world. I didn't have that, mm. but there's enough basics you can learn. And I'm just remembering, um, Sam, he wanted to do a Baja bug, you know, the conversion of the old Volkswagen Beetle into more of like a dirt, you know, sort of buggy thing. And so you break out the Sawzall, you put it in his hands and you say, cut the front of the car off. That's awesome. It was an awesome moment. I could just see his his shock that I'm letting him do something pretty significant, yes. right? And so work, you know, working on their first ride, their first car together and and as projects earlier than that, Luke and I built a, a kayak together and and uh, it was one of those things that I could just see he was bored and and it was falling to video games, mm. right? And TV. And I'm like, oh, oh, I gotta think of something. Jesus, help me think of something. And I was literally looking at a magazine that evening and I saw a kit. It's a kit, it's not from scratch. I saw a kit on on how to build a your own, you know, kayak. And I'm like, oh, a kit is perfect. Cause I don't know how to do this. He knows how to do this, but it's it, we are gonna have to do it together. And so Projects, yes, I would say, large and small, you know, from something simple to something you progress up to. Projects are a great way for initiation, yep. right? And to just ask that question is, what is the edge? What is the frontier of, of a healthy risk, a healthy challenge? Because if they take on too much, it can be pressure. Oh, totally. And like you said, if it's too little, it's like, it's not calling out their strength. I mean, I told that story in the earlier podcast of Joshua, the first project I can remember, uh, is when he's two and he's just holding my hands as we're sanding and holding my hands as we're painting his dresser for his room. Mm. And it started there. And then his last birthday, you know, he asked for an air compressor and, and a framing nailer like for 14. And it, it, I just laugh going, I didn't even know how to use a tool like that until I was in my late 20s and 30s. Yes. But it's been this steady progression yes. where we've worked projects together. And so here he is on his 14th birthday and we wanted to frame some stairs in our garage going up to this, this uh, little um, closet area. And it was great to turn to him and say, give it a swing, like yes. go for it. Yes. Like you measure, you level, yes. you cut, circular saw, nailer, and these are power tools and I'm used to being right over his shoulder mm -hmm. and I backed up and he did it all by himself and they have this little funky slant mm -hmm. and every day I walk into my garage and it just makes me happy because he walks in and says, those are my stairs. Yeah, huge. Confidence, competency, you have what it takes, yes. belovedness, benediction, delight. I wanted to pause for a second because um, as I was thinking about this, jotting some notes in, in my journal on this, I had to pause and go, okay, I did not have this as a man. The man who wrote Wild at Heart grew up in an alcoholic home. And there were some pretty big missing pieces of my story, really big. You know, my dad didn't teach me anything about money or budgets. He didn't teach me anything about girls. You know, there were just some massive, massive missing things in my story. And so I started to look back to just go, well, how, where did it come from mm. then? How did God step in and provide? And I'm thinking, oh, there was a junior high teacher. That was really big for me. There was a high school teacher. He was huge in my life. I started looking back and seeing provision. Boy Scouts 
was huge for me. I wasn't getting the fathering I needed. And I, you know, friends of mine were in the local Boy Scout troop. And so I joined it. And it's all about competency. It's merit badges. Here's your first aid, you know, process to get your first aid merit badge. And and then God bless them. They were the ones that taught me backpacking, which became a, a lifelong love. Mm-hmm. And and that's how Craig McCollin and I met years ago was not in scouts, but backpacking together, looking back and going, How did how did this happen? Teachers, scouts. I got beat up in a fight in middle school. Now, it wasn't a huge deal, and it wasn't knives, and it wasn't guns, but I, I got pushed around, and I got shamed in, in a fight in middle school. And I, felt, I felt very emasculated and very weak, and a friend of mine had just begun taking martial arts in the backyard of some local guy, you know, 15 bucks a month. I mean, it was low bar stuff, but he's like, hey, why don't you come with me to this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I need that. That would be great. And and martial arts actually ended up becoming huge for me in my masculine development competence. And the fascinating thing is, as I got better and better, I actually never got in another fight. Mm. And I think it was because of the confidence and the way you carry yourself, but also the wisdom to know not to provoke things. And uh, But going over Saturday mornings, into wherever you are, Gary, your little backyard martial arts class for the six little dudes. Like, thank you for that. Yes. Right? Saturday mornings going over there and just learning basic things and kind of coming into my body. Yes. Right? And and feeling coordination and being pushed. Um, that was huge for me. What I appreciate about that is as we're thinking about initiating our sons and boys in our world, what I hear you saying, John, is it's coming, but we need to identify the parts that are outside of us and invest in them. Yeah. You know, where yeah. th- there are pieces and parts that we're actually not entrusted to bring, but we do have to facilitate. Yeah. I think of the good coaches that God has brought into my son's life and to affirm them, invest in them. I've met with them and said, give me some tips. What can we be working on? And then there have been some coaches that, have pretty wounded hearts and they're bringing their question. And so I've had to step in between Joshua and two coaches so far to say, it's not okay. It's not yeah. how we do things. Yeah. And and so I, I just appreciate the perspective you're giving. It's not all up to us. Yes, God is doing it, but look for those pieces and parts mm-hmm. and bring them into the narrative mm-hmm. of the initiation of your son. Yep. Simple work, give them simple work. They cut the grass, they pick up the dog poop. They, you know, I got a paper route Mm. when I was, I think I was 12. And my friend Danny had a paper route and he was making, he was making some money. And I'm like, hang on, I can do that. And so this was back in the day that kids on their bicycles delivered the paper. Yes. And, you know, that was simple, that was accessible, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was the next thing for me. Yep. When my dad wasn't there, Mm. you know, it was the next step in, in progressing into, Maturation. Yeah, I think another piece of the informal, for example, we've read a lot together. Joshua and I have just always had a book. When he was little, it's Diary of a Wimpy Kid and just things to laugh together. Yeah. And then it matures into epic stories. I remember, mm. you know, where the red fern grows and both of us just crying together. And now he's a young teenager and, and now it's kind of transitioned to 
audiobooks a lot of the time on a road trip. So to and from an adventure or a sports practice. We, we have a very verbal culture, so we'll process the day and talk and pray. But sometimes when we just want to be together, mm. we always have a couple books we're working on. And now they, you know, we're going through Boys in the Boat. And that's an adult kind of masculine story, but I'm there to interpret. So we always have at our disposal a few great stories that are masculine, heroic, adventure, uh, kingdom, breathe stories. And it's important to cultivate his curiosity of a larger story. That's good. And they're in their stories. The movies they love, yep. the video games they want to play, I guarantee you it's in there, mm -hmm. right? I want to be the hero. I want to be brave. I want to be true. I want to come through. I want to, I want to you know, level up, right? You, you want to win. And, and so you have the opportunity within their own stories to just bring interpretation to it. Morgs, as we, as we turn the corner towards wrapping up this episode, you had a couple thoughts that I thought were really significant for lifting some of the pressure mm -hmm. and also just giving the category of what did you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the first piece, just as I was reflecting on the first couple uh, times in this series, John, is this question of like, where have I missed the mark first? You know, just to go to where, if I could do it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm just aware that, man, I've blown it. I've blown it a thousand times. As we tell some of these victory stories, I'm also aware in my heart of a sorrow of, man, if I could rewind the clock. And, and there are two places that I go with that. And one is God's covering it. Like you said, we didn't have this, and yet we participate in some initiation. And so mm -hmm. um, rest assuredly that God will prevail. Yeah. And the other is just this honest look inward of where did I miss the mark? And I know for me, John, a big one is I wish I would have been much quicker to own my stuff mm. and say, son, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that wasn't about you. Yeah. That was about me. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And to cultivate an atmosphere of being quick to own, quick to forgive. Mm. And I think under the pressure I put myself in, I I was slow to do that on a lot of accounts. Mm. And and so this podcast series causes me to ask the question. Where have I missed the mark? Not in regret, but in an opportunity to move forward in yeah. deeper wholeness in connection with my son. Yeah, pursuing our own wholeness. Yes. Yeah, as part of this process. And then also just the idea, gang, you know what a simple way toward all of this is? Just ask yourself, what did I wish I had? Yes. As you look back on, on your childhood and youth, uh, particularly young men as you look back on it, but also women as you're looking back, what do you wish you had? And then you can provide that yeah. or go look for it for your kids, yeah. right? So let me flip that back to you. So just kind of taking it all in, John, and distilling it and just wondering in your story, what do you wish you had back there and back then? A culture of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Our family was not a talking culture. And so as my dad fell into alcoholism and as other things happened, financial issues in our family and, and stuff, the death of grandparents, significant things, it wasn't talked about. There was no interpretive conversation. And 
I just wish there was that. And if not from them, then again, from a loving teacher, a youth pastor, a neighbor who kind of pulls you aside and says, hey, things look kind of rough over there. What's going on, mm-hmm. right? And you just provide some just conversation. Yeah. That's great. Interpretive context mm. would have been huge. That's good. Friends, really hope you've been enjoying this series. I think we'll do one more installment in this on Initiating Boys. So you've been listening to part three in the series. Hope you'll come back to us next week. John Eldridge, Morgan Snyder on the Ransom Power Podcast.